Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. Thank you. As we go into your word, we ask that, that same tangible presence go with us. Anoint me afresh. Let me speak indeed as I should, as an oracle of God. Then put that same unction upon the ears and the hearts of all who will hear me. Those who are physically present here, as well as those who will be hearing me remotely, electronically. So that your word will flow freely from you through me to your people. To do an internal and eternal work in each of our hearts, including my own, in particular, to cause our wills to become more humble, hmm. minds to be more enlightened with revelation knowledge, emotions to be more tempered and controlled by the power of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I further pray as I speak, the power of the Holy Spirit be released in great as well as in sufficient measure to back these words and follow them wherever they are heard and release in all the earth. Power that will heal. Power that will deliver. Power that will break yokes and free men so that they will become doers of these things which they hear and are hearers only. I further pray for mercy to be faithful, to deliver this word with precision, to redeem the time and say only what you want me to say. Bring out of the treasure of this word things new and old as a scribe instructed under the kingdom. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And all those in agreement with me, receiving every blessing I mentioned in that prayer in their individual lives, all individually agreed and said, Amen. This afternoon, keep playing that, but very quietly, just reduce the volume, but let it be there. Just keep it. Thank you. I'm going to continue my series on overcoming rebellion and right now we're on David and Bathsheba. I have said this over and over again, it bears repetition. We are right now, prophetically speaking, on God's timeline, the reign of Saul, as it were, is coming to an end and the reign of David is about to begin. It hasn't begun. How do you know when the reign of David starts where the manifestation of the sons of God? You will have a bunch of Christians, a group, a company, that will be like a first of first fruits, and others will join them with time, you know, that will be, will have the heart of David, that will do all of the will of God. Hitherto, the church has been like Saul, both in the leadership as well as in the followership, that do the will of God, but they don't do all of it. They do, they leave parts of it that will deal with the flesh. This is typified by Saul's disobedience to the instruction of Samuel to go and kill the Amalekites and everything that they had, even the good things. Amalek is a type of the flesh, uh, but Saul didn't do that. He, he, did, he did kill the Amalekites, but not all of it. And there are many of our people are like that today. You know, they, they, they deal with the flesh. You know, things like, um, 
maybe drinking beer and smoking cigarettes, having girlfriends and stuff like that. They don't do that anymore after they got born again. But inner things like pride, inner things like, you know, self-will, covetousness. The Bible actually uses the term that it's, it's a cloak. Because like I was saying during the Bible study, we are promised prosperity. It's our right. It's our birthright as Christians. However, that, that right can be abused. So a lot of things, instead of being crucified by the Spirit, we keep them and say, well, we're going to use it to serve God. We're going to use our ambitions. We're going to use our uh, uh, professions. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a profession. But, you know, once you put those things on a higher priority than God, then, you know, you, 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 miss, you miss the point. Uh, Jesus said, if you will lose your life for my sake, he said, you will find it. He said, but if you will save your life, he said, you will lose it. And um, so we, 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 we see uh, uh, Christians that are following after the pattern of Saul. And you'll be amazed. A lot of Christians don't even recognize that that's what they're doing. They, they think it's okay, you know. But when you look at the scriptures very carefully, you will see that there are three kinds of Christians on the earth. The Saul type of Christian, which is in the majority as of now, it's going to change. You know, then you have many who are like Jonathan who can see what David is saying, but will not make the commitment to follow him. And then you can see those who are like David who want to do all of the will of God. That's the key there. David was willing to do all of the will of God. Over the years, I have been amazed how people will ignore the obvious truth of Scripture. In fact, even preach against it. Even recently, I was hearing someone say, you know, in this life, we can never be perfect. That is totally unscriptural. Where did you get, where did you get that from? It comes by this uh, attitude, heart attitude, the soul heart attitude that uh, Jesus said another way to the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, they have omitted the weightier matters of the law. They, they do the sum of the law. That's why it's such a subtle deception. Because they do the word of God. They say the word of God. But you know, the important, the crucial things of the word of God, they omit them. You know, they're silent about them. You know, and therefore, the people under them don't grow into the uh, into the purposes of God. In fact, most Christians, I haven't said this in recent times, but I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again today. You know, most Christians think that the goal of Christianity is go to heaven. Even born again, spirit-filled Christians. You have them say, oh, let, oh go, 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 let, I just pray that all of us will make it, that we'll make it to heaven. Heaven is not our goal. Heaven is a gift. I know, you know, it sounds strange to the religious ear. The thief on the cross went to heaven without doing anything. All he did was believe in Jesus. It's not a, it's not a reward. Heaven is not a reward for living a good life when you're on earth. Heaven is a gift that comes through believing Jesus Christ died for your sins. But when you now use that gift of eternal life that you receive, and you increase it through the word of God, you pray and all of that, and then you do good works, by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you are now rewarded. 
So what we're teaching about now is actually reward and not gift. This is another example of what I mean. You know, when I say the immediate man of law, you're told that heaven is your is your is your reward. You know, then all you just be doing on the earth is just to make sure that you go to heaven. You know, and that's not wrong. It's just that it's terribly incomplete. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not the purpose of our Christianity. Hence, the great apostle Paul he prayed this prayer, you know, for the Ephesians that you may know the hope of His calling. It means they didn't know it. They were born again. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues, but they didn't know the hope of your calling. So he said, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding or your mind may be flooded with light so that you will know the hope of your calling. And that hope is revealed again by Paul in Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 where it says that, you know, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Of course, all of us have Jesus in us. We're born again. It says, no, you know that Christ is in you except you be reprobates. We all have Christ in us. But that's not what he's talking about alone. That's a starting point. He's talking about Christ, you know, growing, like Pastor Laulu said during the introduction, you know, that we may grow up into him in all things. That's the goal. And if you, if you, if you, if you don't have, if you're not, let, let's, let me paraphrase this properly. If you're not willing to do that, you don't have a David's heart. Because David is willing to do all the will of God. Saul, on the other hand, is willing to do the will of God to the point where it is convenient for his flesh. So he, that's why the Saul heart takes heaven as the goal. And just being a Christian is okay. They don't want to go into the deeper things of God and all of that. That's what makes, that's what makes a Saul heart. Whereas the David heart is the one that is willing to do all of the will of God. Go into this perfection, the glory of God and the fullness of God. And at the moment, the David kind of Christian is a very rare commodity on the earth. Just like it was in the time. It's amazing how the pr prophetic truth is hidden in these stories in the Old Testament. At the time David was anointed as king, you know, amongst his brothers, he was just a young boy, just like, just like the church today. You know, the David church today, and it's, it's, it's here in Nigeria, it's all over the world, you know, but they're very small in number. And they're being persecuted by the Saul church. You know, I gave my testimony over the years, you know, how they persecuted us for groanings and lie scriptures and everything, you know. They're being persecuted by, 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 by the Saul church. And sometimes they look as if they're not even going to survive. You know, they don't have the crowd. They don't have the money. You know, they, it's, 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 it's exactly like Saul and David. The other thing about the Saul church, or Saul leadership, is of course it is proud. It likes titles and all of that. I, I was joking with Pastor Wally, uh, I think it was on Wednesday night after my message, you know. And, you know, uh, Wally now said to me, Pastor Wally said, he said, he said, Pastor, I'm still small in my own eyes. <laughs> I said, you remind me of what Samuel said to Saul. He said, when you are small in your own eyes, you know a lot of our people are not small in their eyes anymore. When they first were called and got born again, they were small in their own eyes. But over the years, as they had grown, you know, numerically, that's nothing about Saul. He wants a numerical growth. 
but he does not, he's not particularly interested in an upward spiritual growth. That is why another characteristic of the soul system is that it creates branches like you have uh, a franchise, like uh, uh, McDonald's or, or KFC, you know. You open a branch and then you post a man there so that the man can, you know, use the, your name, the name of your denomination, scripture pastor in Abiokuta, scripture pastor in London, scripture pastor in, in Toronto. You know, it, it's become a fad. That's what every, you know, if, 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 you, if people want to judge your ministry, uh, oh, how many branches do you have? But you know, it, 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 it's not that it is wrong to have influence in, in different places, but the methodology is what is wrong. And I use this simple illustration of a tree, a Christmas tree. I learned this from Kenneth, um, from Derek Prince. You know, a Christmas tree, you can put a uh, gift on it and then you can take it off because it's artificial. It looks good. It looks nice. It, 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 it performs the function for which it is made, which is just to decorate here during Christmas. But it's, it is a tree. Many times even a real tree. You can even plant it. You can take a, a, a pot, you know, like a bucket and put some earth in it and put it inside it. But it's not going down to the root, to the, to the, to the, into the soil where it is getting its nutrition. It's been cut. Then, so it, is, it has a name that it lives, but it's dead. Hmm. Then you can put plants, you know, toys or rather gifts on it. It looks nice. And they can take the gifts off. Unlike a real tree that is planted and the, 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 the roots go down into the soil, to the water table, and gets water and potassium and nitrogen and all the other ingredients that plants use, and then grows branches out naturally and then has fruit naturally. Now, the difference between the two trees is this. One of them can be instant. In other words, just go to the forest, cut a tree, put it in a bucket, bring it to the house, put it or something. You can do it quick, 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 quick. The other one takes years. But that's the real thing. So God gave me the example, you know. He said, I, I, you know, I wanted to start doing branches because that's what everybody was doing. That was the popular we all saw. That was the pattern we all saw. So we wanted to do the same thing. And God said to me, don't do it. He said, it's going to breed Absaloms and Adonijahs. And then, in, you know, um, um, you're going to have a lot of problems in the future, you know. And I said, so how do we do it? He said, follow the example of Kenneth Hagin. He used that as a pattern for me. He said, Kenneth Hagin doesn't have any branches. He said, he has just one church in Tulsa. That was at that time, you know, um, Kenneth Copeland too, you know. He said, but look at their influence all over the earth. He said, you, he said, you are, you're a branch of Kenneth Hagin. You're an organic branch. You're not an artificial branch. Kenneth Hagin, you didn't go to Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Hagin, they said, go and start a church in Ibado. You just, you, you just got life through the word that you heard Kenneth Hagin teach and preach. You, pre you prayed about it. You worked on it over the years. It grew in you. And then I led you by my spirit to start your church. But you are actually an organic branch of Kenneth Hagin, of Kenneth Copeland, you know, and some of these other men, you know, that's the real thing. That's the, that is actually the correct thing, you know. 
Now, God has used this other system. He's used it, but he's, it cannot fulfill his ultimate purpose, which is for the church to grow into the perfection and the fullness of Christ. It can't because it's an it's a artificial system. It will bring numerical numbers, you know, but very limited spiritual growth, stunted growth. And that's the situation we have today. That is why God is removing the leadership of the church today is basically a soul leadership. But God is going to remove that soul leadership and raise, as I'm speaking, he's raising, he hasn't raised, but he's raising, you know, a David leadership that will take over from the soul leadership, you know. And, uh, and this will come with the manifestation of the sons of God, the glory of God. And initially, they'll be in the minority, very small. Like David was head of only one tribe, Judah. But with time, the Bible says there will be great battle. It's going to happen again. Exactly the same thing. Persecution. I spoke about this on Wednesday. You know, starting from inside, between the house of Saul and the house of David. But the good news is that the house of Saul is going to get weaker and weaker. And the house of David is going to get stronger and stronger. And over a period of very few years, maybe about seven, which is the time David actually spent in Hebron, you know, so we can use it as a type, you know, uh, uh, the whole Israel now comes under David's leadership. And that's what's going to happen to the church. To fulfill Ephesians chapter 4, where it says, till we all, it was shout all. I didn't hear you. All come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge. That's the David leadership. On the noise of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It means the whole church will now come under that leadership. It doesn't mean everybody will be perfect, but it means that knowledge of perfection will be accepted by everybody. Similar to what happened with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit came back to the church, you know, at the turn of the last century, 1900, then 1906 in Azusa Street, initially they were just very, very, they were in a minority. They called them the Holy Rollers. They even said it was the devil. It says speaking in tongues of the devil. But with time, the knowledge of the baptism of the Holy Spirit spread throughout the church. That even the denominational churches, the Anglican and the Methodists and the Baptists, everybody. Today, ac tongues is accepted everywhere. Not everybody practices it, but it is accepted. It is no longer called the devil. Even 40 years ago, 42 years ago when I got born again, 43 years ago, in 1979, they were still calling tongues the devil in some places. But today... Hardly anybody says tongues of the devil anymore. Now, knowledge has come to the church. The same thing is going to happen with perfection. And so, because this David uh, 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 leadership is in ascendancy, not yet ascended, but it is ascending, it is being raised as I speak, you know, uh, there are many characters that will come in David's life that is going to be a temptation that is going to come against his David leadership. That is why these messages are prophetic. Prophetic in the sense that they are futuristic, telling you what is going to happen in the days to come. So that as you uh, are coming to that David heart experience, when these spiritual forces come against you, you will be aware of them, and you will know how to overcome them. So we're looking at David and Bathsheba. We looked at this last week, David... Uh, uh, stays back when he's supposed to go out to go and fight in battle and then he sees this young beautiful girl having a bath he uses his influence you know calls her to his uh, palace 
and has sex with her. You know, uh, last week I, I began to say some things. I didn't say everything. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is just putting me in remembrance now. You know, and I said, David was to blame. I said, Bathsheba too was also to blame. Because she could have shouted. She could have resisted David. She could have pushed him away. She, 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 she could have said, no, 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 I'm, I'm not coming to the bedroom with you. I, 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 you, I, you sent for me. I thought you sent for me about my husband who is at the war front. You know, she had said that thing will not have happened. So Bathsheba too has some responsibility. But then on the other side, you know, Bathsheba was a young girl. She was very young. She was probably in her early 20s. Maybe even late teens. I'm not really sure. Because she was um, Ahithophel's uh, granddaughter. And at that time, Ahithophel and David were in their 60s. Now, in those days, they used to have children very, very quickly. So if her mother had her when she was maybe 18, you know, and, and now she was 18, that would be 36, you know. So if her dad was, you know, uh, was about 20 when they married, then it's very practical that a 60-year-old man could be his dad. So it makes a lot of sense, you know, according to the genealogies. So, you know, so she could have been, I'm not, excusing her but all these things are deep things in the bible that we all need to study you know both men and women so that we we don't allow the devil to use us in one you know in one negative way or the other you know Bathsheba could have been overwhelmed by David's personality you know he's king he's and he's a very good looking man David was the bible says he was a he was a you know he was a handsome guy you know, and he probably was a very, you know, he had a way with women. <laughs> Not putting it lightly. The David boy was 30, he already had three wives. You know, David was a nice guy. Women liked him. So I, I, I think he just turned on the old charm, you know, and, and spoke nicely to her. And she agreed, you know. It was wrong, of course. And um, today we're going to look at so David, David has sex with her. She gets pregnant. You know, he brings the husband home to try and sleep with the wife. He doesn't agree. You know, then he, this is the bad part. The really, all of it was bad, but this is the really terrible part. David now sends a message to Joab to send um, um, Uriah to the hot part of the battle so he will die. And it worked. Uriah was actually smitten and he died. There are a lot of questions people can ask. Why didn't God protect Uriah? You know, why didn't Joab ask questions? You know, why, why would this be done? And I, I got a few answers. I don't know everything. The Bible says the secret things belong to God. Those that are revealed to us belong to us and to our children. That's why we have the Bible. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm teaching you these things. So when next we are reading your Bible, and you get those places, you say, God, why, why this? Why that? You find it, that's how the Holy Spirit begins to talk to you. And you begin to have fellowship with God. You know, I have a few answers. Number one, at the time Uriah took the message back, Joab did not know what was going on in Jerusalem. He didn't know that Bathsheba was pregnant and that David had taken her into his house. He, said he couldn't have known because it, it had just happened. There, of course, there would have been a lot of talk and rumor. But, you know, it's not like Joab is a military guy. You know, he wouldn't listen to such things. He would say, ah, you don't mind them. He, probably he thought Uriah had done something wrong. And that David was trying to 
get rid of him, you know. And you know, another thing, I didn't say this last time. I was sharing with the pastors, you know, after the service. You know, Uriah was not a Israelite. He was a Hittite. That's why it's Uriah the Hittite. He wasn't, he wasn't Israeli. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, of the natural. He, he had, he had, he was a proselyte. He had, you know, been assimilated into Israel, but he wasn't an Israelite. So, uh, knowing Joab, you know, he might have thought that maybe this guy is a spy or he had some military secret and, and David wanted to deal with him quietly, you know. So, Uriah didn't ask any, uh, sorry, Joab didn't ask any questions. He just obeyed his, his, his Lord. Another, another thing is that, well, uh, if Uriah was innocent, which he was, you know, and there was nothing, you know, how come God didn't protect him? How come God allowed him to be smitten? You know, God could have, you know, protected him in the place of battle. And he could have come back and David would have been in bigger trouble. <laughs> you know, well, the, the Uriah would have got, again, got to know that um, um, Bathsheba was pregnant for David. And there would have been a big, 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 big mess and scandal. All those things, I don't have all the answers. But God does. The important thing for us is to learn the lessons of how David fell into that, how Bathsheba fell into it and, and cooperated, where she could have resisted it, you know, and, and let's move on. So, David does all of this and he sits in on the throne comfortably. Like we said last time, his heart does not smite him like he did when he was in the wilderness, when he cut Saul's robe. Something has happened to David. You know what it is? It's called backsliding. Can David backslide? Oh, yes. See, we often think of somebody backsliding as somebody who has left the church. He doesn't believe in Jesus again. He says, I'm longer a Christian. But that's the ultimate. There's backsliding inside the church. You still coming to church? You still praying? You still reading his Bible? But instead of moving forward, he's moving backwards. That's why we call it backsliding. He's, he's nowhere he used to be. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. I've had periods of time in my Christian life, this is before I started scripture pasture, where I, I, I didn't leave God or anything like that, but I knew I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And I, I used to, you know, tell God, oh Lord, please have mercy, help me, help me help me. And he did, you know, because I was honest about it, you know. I told you my testimony. I stopped praying the Pauline prayers for some time because I was proud. And, you know, I, the revelation just stopped, you know. It wasn't flowing like it used to flow before. So, I had, God had to correct me and all I had to change, you know. So, we, we all, in our, in our walk with God, there are times where you, you're, you're not moving forward as you should. But one of the things that motivated me to start Scripture Pasture, apart from the ministry to the people, because in those days we used to go to IVCU, as the University of Ibadan Christian Union. We didn't really go to any church because all the churches were just the Methodist, Anglican, and in many of the places people were not born again. They used to preach anything that would feed you or edify you, you know, except Orita Mefa occasionally. So, you know, we used to go to uh, this place. But the problem with that place was, you know, today they'll invite someone like me. I'll come and preach E.W. Kenyon, Kenneth Hagen, Revelation, all that. Next week they'll invite another person who'll come and preach all kinds of funny things or the opposite, the exact opposite 
of what I preach. <laughs> so you find you have a bunch of confused saints. One of the things I would say, ah, we have to start a church. We have to start a church. That's where we got this thing, teaching the word of God on a consistent, systematic basis for the perfection of the saints. Because if they keep hearing the wrong thing, it's going to confuse them. So one of the reasons why, you know, uh, God used that as a motivating factor to start scripture pasture. But another reason was for me personally. I, 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 when I didn't have a church and where I was teaching and preaching on a regular basis, I, I was okay. I was praying. I was reading my Bible. I was studying and all of that. But I, I needed that, that atmosphere where I was doing something on a consistent basis and it helped my growth. Immediately we started scripture pastor and I started going have to preach every Sunday and pray and all of that. It, it, the responsibility was a boost. So, I, I can appreciate what happened to uh, 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 David and we have to be very careful. So, his friend Nathan is sent to confront him. Let's go to 1 Kings. I believe it is. No, 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 it's 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel and uh, chapter 12. Yes. And verse... Uh, let's, let's look at chapter 11, verse 27. That's where we stopped, you know. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies, and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you and God bless you.